0: Coming up on We Talk News this week, democracy takes a hit in Mississippi as the Supreme Court there nullifies the voters' wishes to bring a medicinal marijuana law to that state. Is Connecticut on the verge of legalization for adult use? A President Biden appointee to the IRS puts cannabis businesses in his crosshairs for investigations. And the race to a host agreement was slow and steady for the Emerald Turtle Delivery Service in the Bay State. But there's one happy couple in Massachusetts on We Talk News next.
1: We are pro-cannabis media.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Weed Talk News. I'm Jimmy Young with Pro Cannabis Media. So... Have you submitted your cannabis story yet on our website? Come on, come out of the cannabis closet and share what role cannabis has played in your life. Well, we've already had quite a few incredible stories and you could win with PCM. Plus, we're now live streaming 24/7 on procannabismedia.com. So now it's time for the news. And this week was the week that the Moore Act, which legalizes cannabis federally, was going to be reintroduced. It didn't, though, and now it should be next week. Now, there are all sorts of backdoor meetings going on in Washington, D.C. now, and cannabis could end up being part of the deal regarding the budget only in America. Speaking of our great country, as interesting as what is going on federally with the cannabis reform movement in DC, there's a disturbing trend at the state level, specifically in Mississippi. A week ago, the state Supreme Court of Mississippi decided that voters of that state don't matter. You see, on election day, 74% of Mississippi voters went to the polls and said yes to legalizing a medical marijuana program. Last week, the Supreme Court of Mississippi said that vote was null and void. Needless to say, this week, there were demonstrations at the Supreme Court of Mississippi protesting that court's decision. Dr. Dave Allen, a retired cardiovascular surgeon, is an outspoken proponent of the powers of cannabis as a medicine, and he has written Initiative 77 that would legalize all cannabis use in that state.
2: I think, first off, that the Supreme Court doesn't have jurisdiction um, over changing the law that the people vote for, and that, that is, is a constitutional right that the right people have a right to to, to take
0: do initiative. initiatives.
2: Yeah, do initiatives right. so that they can change law that governs the people.
0: Sounds like it's democracy is what they have the right to do, right? That's the last time I checked anyway, right? It's an
2: attack on democracy. I agree. The the Supreme Court doesn't have jurisdiction over the people. That's, That's my issue with this.
3: To
0: find out about Initiative 77 in Mississippi, check out their Facebook page and increase their support. It's obvious that state has a few issues. Dr. Dave Allen is my guest on this week's In the Weed, so don't miss that. Now, next up, is legalization coming to the state of Connecticut? It could happen next week. Their governor, Ned Lamont, recognizes that there are just a few issues that still remain, but believes it can all get worked out over the next seven days before this current legislative session is done. Now, with the story from Wall Street in New York, here's the Green Market Reports' Deborah Borchardt.
4: I'm Deborah Borchardt, and this is the Weed Talk News business update from the Green Market Report. Air Wellness reported its financial results for the quarter ending in March. Revenue rose 74 percent to $58 million. The company also trimmed its net losses slightly to $8.4 million. They did say in the second quarter, though, they expect revenues to be over $90 million. Forefront Ventures reported their first quarter total revenues came in at $22 million, way better than last year's $12 million. The net losses, though, increased from $7 million to $11 million. They did reiterate their fiscal year guidance for pro-forma revenue in the range of $170 to $180 million. And finally, Hemp Fusion Wellness is buying the CBD company Sagely Enterprises in a deal valued at $25 million. You may know them as Sagely Naturals. They're sold in stores such as CVS and Rite Aid. Their products are available in over 14,000 retail locations. As a reminder, markets will be closed on Monday in celebration of the Memorial Holiday.
0: One more note from New York, Delta 8 THC has now been banned by that state, and this is the form of intoxicating chemical in the hemp plant that, well, it's not as powerful as the real one, let's just say. And many CBD manufacturers and retailers were relying on Delta 8 to create their CBD products. One of those retailers, Empire CBD, that had six stores in New York, well, they've all closed their operations and moved to Florida. Now, let's head to the Midwest to find out what's going on in Michigan. Only one guy to talk about that, our own CannaCaster, Rick Thompson. Rick?
5: Well, this is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. The Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association had a really bad week, which follows a previous really bad week of public relations debacles. As a result, the MCMA website is down, meaning they made it unavailable for public viewing. On Monday, their president quit and withdrew his company from the trade organization. And yesterday, a message from MCMA member Flourish revealed the trade group has 13 members, but only six of them are willing to be publicly known. As of today, fumble fingered spokesman Steve Linder is not doing interviews. Their website is still closed to you and I. Their member list is a mystery, and they are losing members. Whoever's making those boycott memes has expanded the list to include brands sold at these retailers, and I hear some companies are already pulling their products from MCMA stores. The trade association, which says its members are the Fords and General Motors of the cannabis industry, is imploding and possibly taking down some of those businesses. And that is big news. Also happening in Michigan, a bill to re-energize the roadside trusting of drivers for drugs is being debated. The bill would expand the types of samples an officer can collect in pursuit of an investigation of drugged driving if technology becomes available in the future. This seems like a response to the recent challenges made to the data master test for alcohol, which is inaccurate and often improperly used, and the poor results seen in the oral swab test for cannabis and opioids. Officers' suspicions of intoxication were wrong 24% of the time oral swabs were used, and 12% of the time when swabs indicated the presence of intoxicants, blood tests showed it was actually negative. This bill is in the House Judiciary Committee. The bill to set a 5 nanogram THC driving limit is in the House Rules and Competitiveness Committee. Neither has a scheduled reading as of this broadcast. And that's it for the Michigan Report. I'm Rick Thompson, reporting for Weed Talk News.
0: Another Midwest state that is rocking its new cannabis market is Illinois. Not only are they setting sales records just about every month, but now they actually might be doing the right thing for social equity applicants. They came under a lot of criticism for the first wave of licenses doled out, but now a new bill that just passed the House there will address those omissions through two lotteries. 115 licenses will be up for grabs for social equity applicants, and it includes five medical licenses. Now let's check out what's going on back here in New England with Vermont's green nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Jessie Lynn?
6: Thanks, Jimmy. I'm Jessie Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News, Vermont Report. Vermont's brand new Cannabis Control Board gathered yesterday for its inaugural meeting Commissioner James Pepper and board members Julie Hubbard and Kyle Harris introduced themselves and their vision for the Vermont cannabis industry. They acknowledged the long and arduous process we continue to endure as policies and reforms take place for both the adult and medical cannabis programs. During the meeting, Vermont's Executive Director of Racial Equity, Susanna Davis, spoke at length about the importance of equity in cannabis policy and how to include that as the state forges ahead. Future meetings will continue to be open to the public with minimal time allotted for public comment, but the new Cannabis Control Board's website does include a form for public input and questions. Under current legislation, the target date to open retail stores is October of 2022, but lawmakers continue to worry that could be delayed because of the time Governor Scott took to appoint the Cannabis Control Board. Speaking of our governor, Vermont's latest cannabis bill is on his desk waiting to be signed into law. The bill would create the Cannabis Business Development Fund, a system that provides loans and grants to social equity applicants. It would also introduce stricter advertising restrictions for cannabis businesses. Representative Arthur Peterson's attempt to tighten restrictions on towns that will allow cannabis businesses was shut down. Peterson's quotable quote from the news was, as you all know, cannabis has THC in it, which is a dangerous drug. Another example of a legislator who needs just a little more education about THC, a chemical inside a plant called cannabis. A few months ago, folks in Woodstock, one of Vermont's cuter little towns, recognized they needed to get educated about cannabis. So they created a committee to provide the type of education needed in order to make an informed decision about whether or not to opt in and allow cannabis retailers in their community. The committee had asked for details on cannabis and youth, tourism, health, and taxes. Now the information will be presented to the village trustees on June 8th and to the town select board on June 15th. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan.
0: Whoopi Goldberg is coming to Massachusetts Well, at least her celebrity cannabis brand called Emma and Clyde is. It's named after the talk show host and actress's late parents. Now, you can find her brand in the dispensary Hubcraft in East Hampton. Since they grow it in Fitchburg, there's a chance it might be in a dispensary near you in the near future. Anybody want to review all those celebrity strains? One week, it's Garcia handpicked. then it's Tommy Chong's choice, Cookies and Burner. Now it's time for Whoopi's brand. And now for the rest of the news from the Bay State, here's our new caster, Ron Marshallsea.
3: Hello, I'm Ron Marshallsea, and I'm here with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. This week, our top story comes from Wareham, Massachusetts. That's where Aaron and Janelle Goines, owners of the Emerald Turtle, have become the second black-owned cannabis delivery operator to receive an HCA, a host community agreement in Massachusetts. The Emerald Turtle is a wholesale cannabis delivery, cultivation, and product manufacturing company based out of Wareham. They're allowed to sell things like tinctures and edibles made from their own or other wholesalers' cannabis, and Aaron going said that the South Shore would be their primary delivery area. When you apply for a cannabis license to operate in any town or city in Massachusetts, you must first have a host community agreement, and your license application will not be reviewed until you obtain it. The host communities have the right to ask the operator for extra so called impact fees, which can be up to 3% of their annual revenues. These fees are supposed to cover the perceived extra cost of cannabis companies doing business in the city or town. One example of these extra impact fees is the presence of extra police officers for traffic or security. This week in Haverhill, a Superior Court judge ruled that a cannabis retailer, STEM, must pay $356,000 in community impact fees. To the town. The lawsuit filed by STEM argues that they have the right to withhold the fee until Haverhill officials show how the store was affecting the town and what was needed to compensate the city for those impacts. The lawsuit continues and a STEM victory will have a major impact on Massachusetts cannabis retailers, which have accused local officials of abusing the host community agreements for monetary gain. An attorney for the city of Haverhill argued that the fee should be paid first and the details on how the money is spent can be provided later. Finally, a study out of the University of Massachusetts Boston shows that cannabis companies in Massachusetts have paid at least $2.46 million in fees more than the 3% of lawfully collected fees allowed under host community agreements. After this study, lawmakers are considering measures to heighten oversight and enforcement of the agreements. Business and other advocates have long argued that municipalities have demanded the maximum of 3% of companies' gross sales without any evidence of need or actual costs. David O'Brien, the president and CEO of the Massachusetts Cannabis Business Association, says the Commonwealth's failure to clearly enforce the laws around HCAs has resulted in a regulatory state where legalized extortion is the norm. One town in Massachusetts that has waived those 3% fees is Northampton. Where the outgoing mayor didn't see any reason to treat cannabis companies differently than any other businesses in his city that's this week's massachusetts cannabis report for we talk news i'm ron marshall
0: in that story you heard about aaron and janelle Goines, the owners of the emerald turtle delivery service now i got a chance to talk with aaron about this long and winding road in massachusetts that we call the host community agreement. Needless to say, there's a huge sense of relief in the Goins household. Uh, I think my wife clapped
1: when the vote, during the actual meeting uh, with the selectman board, uh, we were unanimously approved for a cultivation, product manufacturing and a delivery operator license. I think she immediately clapped and then started crying. And then it continued even after we got off the call Um, It was an emotional dump. Um, This has been, uh, 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 I guess, a passion of just love. I just can't think of this process. And people really don't understand, unless you've been in this, just how difficult it is. I mean, we started this whole thing two years ago with bouncing around from town to town, um, even our own town that we live in, which is Abington. Um, a month before the moratorium lifted, we went to town hall. What's the process uh, to apply for application? <clears throat> oh, uh, we had large entities coming here five months prior. I'm like, how is that possible? Your moratorium doesn't lift until the end of uh, June. We're here in May. And I said, well, we've lived here for 15 years. Shouldn't we get some sort of consideration as stakeholders in the community? I said, no, town lawyers said first in, first serve. So then we hopped over to another town, I think Halifax and then Rockland, and you kept on hitting limits. And then you had the landlords. They always, second you say it's cannabis, well, here's a 400% premium thrown on top of that. And they know that they have you because you're refrained to that small little sliver of the marijuana overlay district. So, um, you know, the only thing I can say is this has been... um, a heck of a process a a lot of personal money thrown at this um well into six figures um and you know it's you know not a rich person but man i really wish i could have my money back um because a lot of it was wasted just hopping from town to town and thinking that you're going through a process so um it's a big day i think we're maybe one of three maybe four uh, delivery operators in the state to uh, give their ACA and to my understanding um, the delivery operator application should be coming out any day now and uh, we're going to be ready uh, for when that happens.
0: Now the application process for the actual license begins and Aaron is hopeful that delivery can begin within a year but nothing is easy in the cannabis business. Now we turn to Washington, D.C., where every time you think you will see something positive, you hear something negative. Although in this case, it's really no surprise. Why? Because it has to do with President Biden's appointee to the IRS, who said this week he supports investigating cannabis companies. No surprise there. For the rest of the news out of our nation's capital, here's our D.C. report with Vote Pro podcast,
2: Phil Adams. Bill. Hi, I'm Phil Adams with Vote Pro Podcast, and this is the Weed Talk News DC Report. DC Congressional Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton sent a letter this week to Housing and Urban Development Secretary Marsha Fudge urging executive discretion in enforcing cannabis prohibition. Specifically, Holmes is asking HUD to stop evicting people from federally assisted housing for using cannabis in states where it's legal. In the letter, Holmes said such individuals, quote, should not be denied admission or face eviction for using a legal product. Holmes requested that Fudge respond in writing by June 21st. Tax revenues from cannabis sales in states where adult use is legal has totaled nearly $8 billion since 2014. In a report published by the DC-based Marijuana Policy Project, revenues from adult use sales topped $2.7 billion in 2020 alone. In a press release, MPP's Jared Moffitt pointed out that not only are states benefiting from a regulated market and fewer drug arrests, they're also benefiting financially. Moffitt said, quote, legalizing cannabis for adults has proven to be a wise investment. In February, the U.S. Census Bureau announced it would begin compiling its own data on state revenues from legal cannabis. A new Department of Education report shows state legalization of cannabis has produced no increase in use among young people. According to the report released by the Department's National Center for Education Statistics, the percentage of students grades 9 through 12 reported using cannabis at least once in the past 30 days shows, quote, no measurable distance difference between 2009 and 2019. The data shows that the percentage peaked back in 2011, a year before Colorado became the first state to legalize cannabis for adult use. The report also showed no difference in the percentage of students reporting the availability of drugs on school property. The data comports with a separate survey conducted by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention last year, which showed an overall decline in high school students' use of marijuana since 2013. That's the Weed Talk News DC Report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast.
0: In New Jersey, according to a new poll by Monmouth University, the quality of life in New Jersey has not been affected by the decriminalization of cannabis. Of course, sales have not begun yet, but the process towards adult-use stores and dispensaries is beginning. Here's Blazin' Bakery's Tara Masu sargente with the New Jersey Report. Tara?
7: I'm Tara Massou for Blazin' and Bakery, and this is the New Jersey Report for Weed Talk News. New Jersey's 18th dispensary opened this week, Ascend in Rochelle Park. Boston-based MSO, Ascend Wellness Holdings, already operates in five states. This is their second location, the first being in Montclair, when they acquired Greenleaf, which was New Jersey's first dispensary, opened in 2012 by Julio Valentin and Joe Stevens. The new dispensary is 6,000 square feet and employs 65 people. It is, of course, as all New Jersey dispensaries, medical only with limited offerings, but likely will get grandfathered into adult use later this year. Monmouth University put out a poll asking people if their quality of life had changed since cannabis had been legalized. Interestingly enough, half the people polled didn't know cannabis had been legalized. Of those who did, 86% said no change, 4% said it got worse, and 6% said it got better. The lack of awareness that anything has changed has been really, I guess, because it hasn't. While we're waiting for the regulations in place, the status quo has pretty much been maintained, though things have lightened up a bit. However, I think for the 100 people getting arrested every day who are no longer, life has improved greatly. I'm Tara Masu from Blaze and Bakery, and this has been the New Jersey Report for Weed Talk News.
0: Now here's the rest of the cannabis news from this week in what we call McCannabis News style. You might call it headline news. Colorado has now increased its possession limit from one ounce to two ounces. That now goes to the governor's desk for a signature. Las Vegas, Nevada has waived its pandemic limits on in-person events. That means MJ BizCon is ready to rock in October. Overseas, two European nations are entering the medical cannabis space for growing and distribution. That's Greece and Denmark. And finally, a feel-good story about a pardon for a doctor in Pennsylvania who spent six months in jail and lost his career for growing cannabis for his sick wife. Dr. Paul Ezel lost his license to practice medicine after getting busted for growing weed to help his sick wife rid herself of opioids. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolfe pardoned the ophthalmologist, who will now have his record expunged, and his license to practice restored. Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman's statement says it all. Here's a doctor of 30 years who has had not so much as a speeding ticket and then his whole life was ruined for giving his wife medicine that's now legal in Pennsylvania. This is a prime example of the destructive power of reefer madness. Cases like this illustrate why we must end marijuana prohibition before it destroys one more life, unquote, and amen to that. That's this week's Weed Talk News. I'm Jimmy Young. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly, especially over this Memorial Day weekend. first. Hi I'm Ben
1: Schauer, New England rep for Salient Video Management Systems. Let me tell you what makes us different in the security space. We're your trusted advisors for all your security needs. I know how complicated the regulations are in cannabis and working with salient systems will be the polar opposite of that. I give free consultations and we'll walk you through every step of the process so that you can get what you need at the price you can afford. We're robust, we're simple and scalable. We're Salient Systems, your solutions to all your security needs. Please contact me at the information below, and I'm looking forward to being your trusted advisor.